0: Hey, folks, in this interview, I'm talking with Joe Edelman. We're going to be covering a very, very important topic, and that's demystifying the myth around full-frame versus smaller sensors like APS-C and Micro Four Thirds. It's coming your way next. This is TWIT. Hey, folks welcome back to another episode of this week in photo i am your host frederick van johnson today prepare to have your mind blown hopefully we're gonna be talking with joe edelman who knows his way around a camera or two or three uh and photography probably better than i will ever know it but he's agreed to come on and talk to me about the some of the just vitriol and disinformation and misinformation that's floating around there regarding sensor sizes and what you should buy so joe edelman welcome to the show man how are you doing
1: i'm great frederick thanks for having me it's awesome to be back here chatting with you man
0: yeah it's a, it's a pleasure i feel honored to have you on whenever oh, i have yeah. you on it's, thank it's you an the honor. honor is mine really yeah, no, this is good. So let, let's, let's dive in. So you shoot Olympus cameras right now. You, yeah, previously you did. You switched over to Olympus. Before we dive into this, the whole sensor size discussion, tell us yeah. the, the, the impetus and the reasoning behind the switch from one system to the other.
1: Wow. Um, you know, it was kind of a wake-up call. I was a Nikon guy for 43 years. I make no secret of that. Uh, just over 42. But uh, shot Nikon for film, uh, started with the D1 uh, in 2000. And um, I did what most people do, you know, I new camera came out, it was bigger, it was better, you yeah. know, and at first it kind of made a lot of sense. You went from the little sensor in the D1 to APS-C, and then you had full frame, that was all revolutionary. Um, but then, you know, just kind of played zombie, and every time a new one came out, changed. Yep. And this uh, little company, you might have heard of them, called Sony.
2: I uh, heard of them, yeah.
1: They kind of started to really make mirrorless I think a little bit more well-known, because obviously Olympus was around before that. But I won't lie, I never paid a lot of attention. Mm -hmm. And um, I got my hands on a Sony, tried it out, kind of really liked it. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to go. And so I didn't sell the Nikon gear, but I bought some Sony gear, used it for the best part of eight months. um, Liked a lot of things about it. Most importantly, loved having an EVF. So I, I completely mm. fell in love with the electronic viewfinder. Yeah. Um, just the wizzy wig of it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And, and at the time in Sony's defense, before I say the rest of this, this was pretty early on. So they don't have like four lenses. Mm-hmm. I've never been a fan of an adapter for, for anything period. Cause unfortunately I'm old enough that, you know, I was around back in the day where, you know, you had to put adapters on just about anything. And it was always <laughs> yeah. hard. just, it just never worked well. So, um, you know That bothered me, and actually my biggest struggle with the Sony, which is kind of just a personal thing, it's going to be different for everybody, it was the ergonomics. I was just never able to get comfortable yeah. with the ergonomics, and that's actually, that's why I stuck with Nikon so long. I mean, come on, we all know in the early 2000s, Nikon came out with the D1 first, Yeah, but then for like the next six years, Canon kind of just mopped the floor with Nikon, and that's mm-hmm. when you started... You know, at sporting events and news events, that's when you started seeing all the white lenses because everybody was jumping ship, going to Canon. I just never liked the ergonomics on Canon cameras. I was comfortable with what Nikon did, the way they did it. And um, so I I gave up on the Sony experiment and uh, started this crazy thing on YouTube that I do. And congratulations
0: on that, by the way, thank you, thank you exploding there uh,
1: pretty early on. I I was kind of given a nod from YouTube and I got to spend some time at uh, YouTube space in New York and they turned me on to the Panasonic cameras for video. And this was during the time the GH4 Mm -hmm. literally had three of them, (laughs) had never shot a single still frame on any of them strictly for video. Yeah. And um, the day that my GH5 arrived, I was bored. Didn't really want to work. So I unpacked it. I said, everybody says this stuff is so good, except some say it's so bad. So let's go find out. So I literally went out to the park and just shot pictures of the GH5 for an afternoon and came back, downloaded them and started looking. And it's like, okay, what's everybody complaining about? Mm -hmm. I don't get it. Mm -hmm. You know, this is actually really pretty impressive. Fun camera to work with. Um, So I started doing research. Took me about a year and a half. Going back and forth, you know, after 40 plus years, just completely bailing on, you know, that whole ecosystem was tough. Um, it was a pretty quick choice for me between the Panasonic and the Olympus to look at the Olympus, mainly because of ergonomics. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: you know, the, the standard Google searching that I was finding at the time was, oh, you know, video, do Panasonic, a stills, you know, look at Olympus. Um, I don't disagree with any of that, but at the same time, I think both systems – Great work, they they're really both
0: do. incredible. Yeah,
1: at this point, I do all my video with Olympus, it works great for my needs. Certainly, Panasonic was a little more video centric from the get go, so there's a lot more third party, you know, gadgetry and accessories available for mm-hmm. Panasonic than there is Olympus. But yeah. I- I've been doing great stuff with it, so that's you know, kind of what that is. interesting
0: though? You know, it's interesting, and and by the way, you're looking at me on a on a GH4, a Lumix GH4 yeah. right now with a 12-35mm lens on it, <laughs> yeah. um, racked out to 2.8, which is why all that oh, looks is, soft. This back is to a here.
1: Micro Four Thirds this weekend photo because yeah. you're looking at me on an OM-D E-M1 Mark II from Olympus. Look Olympics. at that. Oh, yeah. You yeah. Look at
0: that! See, yeah. and it, and everything's working fine. You know, yeah. it's interesting. You know that you 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 drew you drew that path, and mm-hmm. you know, looking at my own path and the gear that I've purchased and 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 own. And we were talking about this a little bit before. The even my phone, man. Like most of the stuff that I own, I've barely scratched the surface of yeah. what it can do. Yet, when the next version of that thing comes out, I feel inadequate if I don't yeah. have it. Right. And that's and we're in the same boat with cameras. Right. It's the same deal. If you don't if 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 Olympus or Lumix or Nikon or Canon or Fuji comes out with a new camera and you have the number before that one, you're somehow lesser of a photographer that day. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, I mean, it's true. It's it's like this peer pressure thing more than anything. I mean, you know you look at Apple, you got to give them a ton of credit for really, I think, you know, in the modern era, creating the fanboy mentality. Um, Sony hands down, you know, they win the race. They, they managed to kind of capture that fanboy thought process, um, you know, with their gear. And I'm not saying it it wasn't deserving of it, but they certainly captured it. Did a great job with that. Um, but yeah, I think you know, with social media and and all that kind of stuff, we you know we get that peer pressure. You kind of don't want to be left out. Mm-hmm. Certainly, a new camera comes out. That's what all the discussion's about. That's what everybody's talking about. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I think that's a really bad thing. Yeah. But you know, it's okay to have a little bit of excitement. But yeah, you know, we got we like you know, shiny people, things. I mean, we're human, right? And all kind of stuff. It's like, come on. But yeah,
0: human humans like shiny new things, new toys. I think where where it gets yep. a little caustic and dangerous is when you know because it, 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 photography is interesting because depending on the genre of photography you're doing like if you're shooting models right there's mm-hmm. psychology involved then you know sure. your interaction with the model yep. there's you have to be technically proficient on your gear under pressure because you're the run yep. r- running the show and then yep. there's the gear itself you know all the the yep. nerd the nerdity of the gear and <laughs> understanding yep. that's a new word nerdity uh understanding what it can do and you have to do all that stuff then then what you know the danger of it is you know you you sit on YouTube or on wherever, and you get sucked into this vortex of, you know, this this guy was really passionate, he used a lot of capital letters and exclamation points, saying my gear sucks, so I should really go consider that other gear. And everyone's saying smaller sensors are inferior for a variety of reasons: bokeh, focusing, yada yada yada. So you know, I'm just getting into photography. I'm gonna stand on the shoulders of giants and buy what they say. Buy.
1: Do you, huh. do you see that same? Dynamic. Oh, absolutely. But wait a second. Uh, just to make sure that I understand what you just said, are you telling me that Micro Four Thirds isn't dead? Is really? <laughs> it's not dead. Because <laughs> I could have sworn I saw something about that somewhere. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, micro Four Thirds is dead. Newsflash. Micro Four Thirds is not right. dead. <laughs> I
1: think, you know, I believe me, for the last three years since I started this YouTube thing, yeah. um, I have tried desperately to really get my head wrapped around the the gear mentality on YouTube. And so there's a couple things that I have to say. So first of all, I I will say, I've said it public. I'm going to say it on your show because I stand by it. Um, The gentleman who made that proclamation, um, I have a tremendous amount of respect for his ability as a photographer and also for his proven ability as a photo educator. Mm -hmm. What drives me insane And certainly I I can't even begin to speak to his motives because I don't know his exact motives. But as I observe what he does, it really seems like he's just going after the views and going after the, you know, the quick bucks with his videos, because what I don't see him doing anymore is I don't see him actually helping photographers. I see him generating a lot of anxiety. Mm -hmm. And here's where I see the anxiety coming from. And I relate it to car owners. So I was never much of a motorhead. Right. I was a nerd that was into cameras early. So like as long as my car got me from point A to point B, I didn't care. Yeah. So but I knew people that were motorheads. I know people that were in their, their cars, you know, especially back in the day when I grew up, you know, you had a Chevy, you had a Ford and there was no compromising on which was better. It was either or. Right. 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 And so I think a big piece of what happens from a, a, a social and a psychology standpoint, these are things that we invest a lot of money into. And then when we invest money into them, we also invest a lot of time and a lot of heart and passion goes into them. Yep. So who wants to be told that they bought the wrong thing? Yeah. Or exactly. That something better than what they have. Nobody wants that. Yep. Now, I do think that you know Sony kind of managed to capitalize on that a little bit. And and again, good for them. I mean, strictly from a business and marketing standpoint, good for them, right? Mm-hmm. And and they did it with good gear. But I do see a lot of, you know, YouTubers, a lot of photo educators, a lot of even, you know, the blogs at at the same time, um, they get more views, they get talked about more, you know, obviously more views or more reads on a blog that, you know, that means more advertising dollars, et cetera. But what it's not doing is it's not teaching people how to take better pictures. And as a result, we're kind of creating this cultural phenomenon where especially for people coming into you know this this world of photography you're not going to take a better picture by learning photography you're going to take a better picture by getting a better camera that that's what's becoming that's where it is
0: or getting a bigger sensor right you know what 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 you talked about i call um you know, like that that investment that you make, whether it's money and convincing yep. the spouse and the time learning how to use this gear yep. and all this stuff. Uh-huh. I call that digital Stockholm syndrome. Right. Because you're, yeah.
1: you're I, I
0: agree, you know, and it, it crosses over. It's not just photography. It's golf clubs. It's cars. It's religion. Sure. It's politics. It's everywhere. Right. Yep. It's if I invest in this thing. And I spend a lot of time on this thing. Who are you to tell me I'm wrong? Because I've invested, right? Yep. So, so what's the cure to that? What's the cure to that, that um, Stockholm syndrome and getting swinging the pendulum back towards art again and away from, you right. know, hey, this latest and well, greatest bit whiz bang feature?
1: So interestingly enough, so I I, I don't know. That's the short answer. But yeah. but I do have some speculation. Uh, I stumbled on an article. Um, this past weekend, I, I was out in Michigan, and I had some downtime sitting in a hotel during during a conference. And I stumbled on an article on CNBC, and it was talking about how earnings are down dramatically for uh, all the major camera manufacturers. Um, in fact, you know, our our brands, Panasonic and Olympus, got a passing mention. But, of course, <laughs> they talked about, you know, the big four, yeah. um, you know, Canon, Nikon, Sony, and um, they had Fuji inc- included in that group. Mm-hmm. Uh, Canon and Nikon struggling horrendously. You know, Sony doing pretty good, but still, you know, all of that camera stuff, which we all talk about like it's the you know biggest thing in the world, is an incredibly small portion of their business. And and yeah. you know, Sony's all about the sensors. Sony's yep. making money off the sensors. And of course, there's entertainment and electronics. Yeah. But yeah. what it came down to is, you know, they they were talking in this article about how the one company based on their metrics that is in the most danger right now is nikon Mm. because nikon uh relies on the camera business more than some of the others and their camera business is hurting more than the others canon of course is you know branched out into printers and all kind of uh, scientific you know stuff uh and while nikon does have you know some of the medical and the optics In past years, a lot of that's been eroded away by companies like Olympus, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it got me thinking to try and answer your question that, you know, maybe we wind up actually indeed losing some of these camera companies. Mm -hmm. and, And maybe that's where the dust settles because as much as I could never imagine just taking pictures with an iPhone, the simple fact of the matter is, The phone technology, it's just insane.
0: It's ridiculous. And and it's continuing
1: to get better and better and better and better. So we're reaching a point where there's a really good argument that says, if I'm a beginner, if I'm just somebody that enjoys the idea of having good pictures and thinks it would be fun to be able to take pictures whenever I want, et cetera, et cetera, well, do I really need to go buy a Canon or a Nikon or a Sony or, yep. or any other brand, yep. why can't I just do that with my phone? Yeah. So I actually think, and maybe this is 10 years out, but I think we're at a point where digital is going to begin to settle.
2: Mm-hmm. I
1: do think that Canon, Nikon, even Panasonic with their full frames, Fuji. They're going to have to start focusing on getting things smaller again, physically smaller. I yeah. mean, maybe you know, my argument would be, hey, if full-frame sensors are here to stay, that's fine, but they've got to figure out a way to get the camera smaller yeah. because things are getting bigger and heavier, and the lenses have to get lighter. So I think that you know, there's a good possibility we will reach a point again where we were in the '90s, and in the '90s, you had little compact film cameras that the amateur would buy. Or you had, you know, like the disposables and that kind of stuff, and that's what they would use. But then you had SLRs for film that required some advanced learning and mm-hmm. some advanced effort, yeah. right? Um, I think it's feasible that we get back to a, a point like that. I where, think I think you're
0: right because because if it, you if you look at it like yeah the size sort of shift and sort of the pendulum swinging back in the other direction right. towards smaller cameras absolutely but also factor in their uh, humans right and uh, uh, attrition yep. and gentrification or whatever you want to call yes. it you know where
1: all of those
0: things yeah, yes. all of those all of the whatever yep. big words and <laughs> and it's it's like you look at. The people, the younger people, generation, whatever you want to call them, that are coming up now, that are accustomed to extremely high quality imagery coming yes. off a tiny little device, and it, like you said, it's only getting better and better. Yep. People with these giant cameras are going to be like, you know, hey, nice Model T Ford you got there, as they drive their Tesla away, right?
1: I, absolutely. <laughs> well, even you know, along with that, I, I have this conversation. Every camera club event that I go to. So this weekend I was in Michigan at the Southwest Michigan Camera Club Council. It's their yeah. annual, you know, get together. And I asked the question just to see if it's different somewhere. And the question is, you know, how are you folks finding new members? Mm-hmm. Like, are you finding that you can't get younger members in their 20s and 30s? Because I see when I go to these events, a lot of gray-haired people. Yeah. And um, pretty much universally, with the exception of of Southern Florida, every place I go, they whine and complain and fret that their groups are getting smaller and smaller and smaller and they can't interest younger people down in southern florida they had the best answer ever i have to tell this because it's hysterical yeah last year i was there i asked the, the gentleman who was the president of the organization do you guys have a hard time finding new members and he looked at me deadpan and said not at all we just find new old people (laughs) <laughs> this was this was a group in Fort Myers, Florida, which is you know retirement community USA,
2: right? That's <laughs> but, awesome.
1: but I think there's a there's a, a correlation to what you're talking about there with the younger generation in that we already have if you know if you look into the world of marketing,
2: mm-hmm.
1: marketers have tons and tons and tons of research already that's published, you read about it in, in newspaper articles and magazine articles every day. Millennials and generation Zers are interested and will invest time and money in experience
2: yeah yeah
1: they don't care about the tangibles they definitely don't want to be told these are the rules this is the way you have to do it they don't want to have to enter contests with their pictures they don't they don't want that they do want the social element behind photography they like the idea of a club or a meetup but they want to be able to be social and go places and do things with other people yeah. So I think you put those together. Yeah. I mean, these the fact that these companies are making things that are bigger and heavier, that's not going to fly once this younger generation reaches the point where they're the primary spenders.
0: Yeah. And you know what else I wonder is it's, you know, there's, I mean, it's a myriad of, of different factors in there, but I, mm-hmm. I wonder if just the idea of photography is going to become antiquated. You know, I mean, the, the idea and let me let me make a point. So right. the, the idea of understanding intrinsically the exposure triangle, you know, f-stop shutter speed ISO, right. you know, right. all these things that you and I learned, you know, yep. sta- standing in front of an enlarger and getting fixer in our blood and all that yep. stuff. The stuff that makes you, quote, a photographer and then, you know, running out and right. learning how to change film and load film and all, all yep. that stuff is gone right and as cameras and phones get smarter and smarter and smarter they're removing the necessity to understand this stuff i mean look at, look at your iphone like your right. iphone with its portrait mode we used right. to have to work hard to get that level of bokeh right and now yep. you can say hey, whatever click oh stand farther back okay boom click and yep. you got it <laughs> yep. you know I, so I, so I do you absolutely... think it's going away the the necessity to be skilled at at
1: photography well i don't think it's going away but i think it's going to change Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, again, if we if we look backwards to kind of look forwards, I think there's a great argument that says, sure, maybe 10 or 15 years from now, um, there are going to be top of their game professional photographers that are in their 20s or 30s that don't understand depth of field and don't understand the exposure triangle. But that will be a result not of what I complain about now, and that's people being lazy. Mm -hmm. because with today's technology you still need it but i think it's going to be the result of humans still driving technology forward and like so many things throughout history there's certainly a good likelihood that we get to a point where let's face it physics physics are physics that can't be changed yeah but we can certainly change the way we interact with the physics the way we manage the physics and even the way we understand it because we have different ways to manipulate just like you know I love the Apple commercial. Did you just poke on my kid?
2: Yeah. I saw you know, that.
1: So just the fact now that, you know, a little pinch, boom, that person's out of the picture. They're blurry. So yeah. I, I think there's definitely that possibility that, um, while obviously today I travel the country and I argue with people, look, you have to understand the inverse square law. You have to understand depth of field. Is there a good argument that the technology advances to where we approach it in a completely different way? Sure. And, yeah. and, You know, a lot of a lot of people in my generation would be like, oh, that's going to be the worst thing ever. I'm sorry. I think that'll be amazing if it does. I think right now for all of these challenges we're discussing, I think this is the most exciting time ever to be a photographer. The the technology that's available to us is incredible Uh, that just the, the features, the ease of doing things. I think it's amazing. It so, is.
0: It's ridiculously amazing. And it's yeah. the other part of it is the the mechanism, like let's call it back in the day, let's call it 20, 30 years ago, right? Right. Where if you took a photo, not a whole lot of people would see that photo, no matter how long you worked on making it when the I best learned, photo. When I learned,
1: I had an audience of one.
0: Right. Yeah. It's yeah. like, look at what I did. And yeah. now you could take a shot with a supercomputer in your hand or one of these great cameras that we yeah. have. And- people can appreciate it by the thousands and millions instantly, right? So you have this instant audience to tell stories to. And like you said, Joe, we have these these amazing tools to tell these stories. So the only missing thing where that laziness that you mentioned comes in is getting your butt out of the seat, grabbing that gear and telling stories with your gear. Stop talking about Micro Four Thirds versus full frame versus this. Get out right. there and get and make a story, dude, right?
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: I, I mean I, I I made a comment on my Talk show just about a year ago and it was it was meant to not be that nice, but I had a guy that was just driving me crazy with these gear questions yeah. and finally yeah. I was like, "Dude, you are not a photographer. You're a gear photographer. All you care about <laughs> is the gear." Uh and it was not meant to be a compliment at all and a couple days later, I, I ran into someone that saw the show, and they said, you know, I love that line. You should even trademark that line. But I do want to point out to you, there are some people where their pleasure is derived from the here, the toys. Yeah. And he's right. So I still use the phrase geartographer, but I always preface it. But, but indeed, I, you know, the people that want to actually get good at photography— they got to use the camera. You, you simply have to pick up the camera. I mean I know for a fact I'm the only guy on YouTube that tells people, please don't watch my videos. Use you, my videos as a resource. Nice. If, you, if you don't understand the inverse square law, go watch the video on it. But then pick up your camera and try it because don't think that you understand it just because you watch my video. You you need to go and put that technique to use, right? Yep. Um. I mean I get it in today's world. We're all so busy. We all multitask. So, you know, we, we try to learn on the fly when we can, but it amazes me how many people I meet that have thousands and thousands of dollars invested in camera gear. And really the extent of their photography is dreaming about it while they watch
2: videos. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's
1: really, really unfortunate because at least for me, look, I love teaching. I love talking about photography. I'll do that anytime, any day. But it's about taking pictures. Yeah, like, it is. I, I, I love to be able to take pictures. Period. Let's, I, let's, let's cool. look at it
0: from a from a different perspective, right? Yeah. So the and this is this is related to what we were talking about before, but it's the the you know, we were in that whole megapixel race, or we're kind of still in the megapixel race. I thought we were yeah. out of the megapixel race, <laughs> but yeah. they keep pulling us back in. We're back in the yep. megapixel race. And you like like you mentioned Panasonic with the S1 full-frame camera mm-hmm. and Fuji released a gfx their gfx 100 which is 100 whatever megapixels right Right. um and 10 grand to boot on top of that right what you're how do you advise people that are that are looking at you know and they have let's let's say money is no object they're you know some sort of professional that they can buy whatever the heck they want right and and they're like joe I, you know, I want to take photos. I'm not sure what I want to shoot, but I want to get the best of the best. I drive the most expensive Tesla. I live in the best neighborhood. Ah. I buy the best clothes and I got to have the best of the best camera, but I'm not sure what I want to shoot. Would you advise that person to, hey, dude, go 10 grand, go get yourself that Fuji and a couple of lenses? Or would you Ah. say stick on the Micro Four Thirds side?
1: Um, Well, so... Here, I'll give you the answer that I give people since I became an Olympus visionary because obviously people anticipate right away I'm going to say, oh, yeah, you know, go by Olympus. And that's actually not what I say. In Mm -hmm. fact, I made it very clear to Olympus when they approached me about being a brand ambassador that because of the work that I do and the way that I teach that I'm not – I'm not going to be one of those people that's just constantly beating a drum that says, bye, bye, bye. Obviously, I'm going to beat the drum and tout how much I love my gear because I do. So my goal in that process is to make people what I call Olympus curious. (laughs) And here's why that's important to me.
0: Oh, curious?
1: Okay. Yeah, oh, curious. There you go. So, (laughs) Because even for the Sony user, if I can make a Sony user Olympus curious, it's not about getting them to switch. It's about the next time Sony comes out with a 75-megapixel camera for $4,500, hopefully they'll remember what Joe Edelman does with a 24-megapixel micro four-thirds camera and ask themselves, do I really need that camera? Mm-hmm. If, if they are highly invested in the Sony system and they have their lenses, they love what they're doing, Awesome. But if I can make them Olympus Cura, it's just like, you know, the billboard that I, I entered that contest to get a, a billboard done with my photo. So I've got a micro four third shot on a 48 foot wide by 14 foot tall billboard right now. Wow. Um, and it's tack sharp. So, you know, what I do is I tell people, look, especially if you live in the United States, it, it is a little tougher in some parts of the world. But if you live in the United States, number one, of course, do your research Feel free to talk to other photographers, but understand any photographer is ultimately going to tell you what they like to use. Yep. But then, what you need to do, especially when you look at what this gear is going to cost you, spend a couple hundred dollars and rent the camera that you're thinking about yep. with a lens. I mean, yep. you can go to places like, you know, lensrentals.com or borrowlenses.com, and, and rentals are dirt cheap, or at a minimum, Find a local retailer because, you know, folks, we still need those local retailers. Mm -hmm. I love Amazon. I'm convinced my portrait's hanging in the lobby in (laughs) Washington, you know, for prime user. Oh, yeah. Uh, Right next to mine. (laughs) Right. I shop at, you know, B&H and Adorama out of convenience at times. Absolutely. But the fact of the matter is the local retailers have so much to offer. And a big part of that actually is education and access to knowledge that you can't get online and and they are invested in your success as a photographer because they want you to come back Mm -hmm. so they're not looking for the quick sale they're not just looking at you as a number they want to build a relationship with you so at a minimum go to a local retailer and they may not let you take the camera home for a weekend or they may not be able to rent it but take a disc try the camera out there they're going to be willing to jump through hoops to let you test that camera as much as possible
2: yeah.
1: And, and then make the right decision. Because, I mean, Frederick, you know so much of buying a camera. And unfortunately, this gets left out of all these YouTube videos that are all about gear and the latest and the greatest. You hardly ever hear people talk about ergonomics. right? You, ever, you hardly ever hear people talk about how's the camera laid out? How's it fit? When's the last time you ever saw a YouTube video about a new camera where that YouTuber said, hey, you know what? I have really big hands, so this camera would be great for me. But if you have small hands, I would think twice before you pick up this camera. That's right. Have you ever heard that? You've never no, heard it. No, never right? heard it. So all these people are doing is spouting off the crap that you can read in the spec sheets. They're not really actually, even with these gear reviews, they're not actually helping people. Yeah. What they're not doing is they're not putting themselves in the end user's shoes. They're not trying to imagine their audience and what kinds of obstacles and questions do they have. And try to answer them. They're just talking about, oh, this is best. And let's drop a bunch of really cool words like inverse square law or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's it. There's no explanation. There's no real help involved. Yeah, so you, can't, honestly, you can't. That was a long answer. I apologize. But for me, I, I tell people, look, do some research, but then you got to try it. You got to yeah. try camera. It's a it's a big investment.
0: Yeah. It's not only, it's not only ergonomics that you mentioned, it's also the UI UX of the camera because yeah, right. it could fit your hand smart. perfectly. And then when you go into the menuing system, you're like, Holy yep. hell, I'm lost. I have no idea. Yep.
2: Yep. <laughs> you know, so. I, and
1: part of The menu system. I mean, let's face it. Olympus has taken some grief in the past for menu systems. I think right now Sony's probably at the top of the heap for people complaining on menus. Oh yeah. You yeah. know, I find it humorous in the sense though that honestly, cause I've used them all. And at the end of the day, There's this thing called the instructions. You kind of need to read them because we don't actually, we don't actually use cameras anymore. You know, we kind of kid ourselves when we call them cameras. They're computers that take pictures, which is awesome, but you got to be willing to put in the effort. You know, it's funny. People will go get in the car. They'll push the button. They'll turn the key and they never think, how do I drive this car? They just don't, yeah. they think about the traffic, the directions, mm-hmm. but there's no thought about how do I operate this vehicle, but yet they'll spend almost as much in camera gear and they still don't know how to use it.
0: Yeah. And they won't read the manual. They, what, how, how complicated could it be? You know, there's a button, you press the button, it takes a picture. Of course. Right. <laughs> yeah. No, it's crazy. It is crazy. Um, I'm going to let you go. I know you got things to do, but I want to, I want to wrap this up. Uh, with two things, a sure. bit of information. I don't know if you knew this because you mentioned that you're a primaholic. Um, did you well, maybe, know, and maybe this. Maybe I shouldn't tell you this, okay. but did you, did you know that you could dive into your account on Amazon and there's a little link in there that will tell you how much you've spent since joining Amazon?
1: <laughs> My wife's not around. Yeah, yeah. No, I Dude, you will cry. You will cry. Oh, yes. It adds up. It adds up. I I could not do that. Like, literally, that would just ruin probably my year.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, don't do it. And then the the last question for you is, knowing what you know in your your experience and, you know, your cutting-edge online YouTube channel, your shooting, Olympus Visionary, all that stuff, um, what is a camera like what's missing from cameras today? If you could sit down, let's say with the Olympus team, if you could sit down in right. a closed door room with the Olympus team and design the ideal Joe Edelman series camera, what would be in it? What would what would be wow. different than what you have now?
1: Um, wow. So, okay, I, actually that's kind of easy for me. So, uh, and I'll even say something that's not 100% politically correct as an Olympus visionary, but, but I'll be honest. Um, I think the perfect camera for me, and and I think it's probably not too far down the road. I have no inside knowledge, but but and when I say too far, I mean years, a yeah. couple
2: of years. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, it's a camera like the EM1X, which of course is the newer camera, with specifically more built-out capabilities with the artificial intelligence.
2: Mm-hmm. But
1: at the point where which we will get to. It's gotten smaller, closer in size to the E-M1 Mark II. Mm. So, so I'll admit, when the E-M1X came out, which to me is one of the most amazing cameras ever, but I'll explain why. It's not because I'm an Olympus guy. It's actually because of what, what it's going to force the industry to do. That's why I think that this camera well, you gotta is so you got to share that. you got to share that. But um, you know, for me, I fell in love with the ergonomics on the E-M1 Mark II. Just fell in love with it. So, of course, the EM-1X, a little bit bigger, there's a trade-off. But the trade-off is that if if you imagine the potential of this artificial intelligence technology, I mean, not to mention so many other cool features they put in, but just the artificial intelligence alone,
2: mm-hmm. it's
1: insane because – and Olympus has not told us, even as a visionary, I don't have the inside track. But we can imagine since they started out with – Planes, trains, and automobiles, right? Yeah. That, that's what they started with. Yeah, But we can imagine a day not too far down the road where they have built out an AI. Let's say for people that want to shoot flowers. Okay, so if you're into flowers, you would be able to essentially, just like you do a firmware upgrade, download the AI for flowers and upload that to the camera. And maybe you remove trains if you never shoot trains, mm-hmm. that
2: type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I think the more that this concept of the artificial intelligence gets built out, the more we get to the point where you literally are potentially going to be able to stop thinking in real time about so much of how to operate a camera. Mm -hmm. Because at the same time, as we parallel this conversation, let's face it, you know, exposure systems are getting better. Autofocus accuracy in general, you know, is getting better. Um, Smaller sensors, I hate to tell some folks, they are getting better mm-hmm. you know a sensor look at what apple did with the iphone a sensor doesn't have to get bigger or have more pixels to generate a better image yeah right obviously yeah. software is included in that process and i hate to say that a 100 megapixel fuji camera still requires great software mm-hmm. to create that great 100 megapixel image so so there's advancements coming all the way um What a lot of people failed to listen to and try to understand, because obviously the EM1X is nowhere near as big as people were blowing up about, but it's the biggest Olympus camera ever. Mm -hmm. Part of the reason for that is cameras got two processors in it. Processors generate heat. So they had to build in more space and more dissipation capabilities to get rid of that heat. Otherwise, they would have had a Sony scenario with cameras overheating. The best part of it is how many how many things or how many times have you heard about an Olympus E-M1X overheating? You haven't yeah. at all, right? Yeah. So they did a good job. They did a really good job, but that came at the price of a little bit of space. So obviously they're going to get better at that. They're going to get better at making the, the uh, processor smaller, generating less heat, all that kind of stuff. So for me, it, it's kind of – I think my ideal camera is the one that the E-M1X showed us is possible because the E-M1X now – you know, when you're looking at seven and a half stops of image stabilization and the ability to do uh, neutral density filters built into the camera without actually using a filter.
2: Yeah, which is and nuts. Amazon,
1: this is all technology now that all the other companies are out there working on. Because historically, if we go back there's so many of the popular features today, Olympus was the first company that had them. Yeah. yeah. Right. And and so, you know, they were the first now with this artificial intelligence, the first with Live ND. This is the kind of stuff that that pushes the whole industry, and that's that's good for everybody.
2: Yeah, you that's know what, what I want most about it. If if
0: you're going to ask me what I want for my my ideal camera, yeah. um I don't know what the camera looks like or anything, um, uh-huh. but what I want in it is a couple of things. I want, yep. I want a cellular modem in it. You know, I want Mm -hmm. I want to be able to shoot and tether to any place in the world where (laughs) from wherever I am. I mean, my phone can do it. How come my supercomputer camera can't do it? Right. So I want a cell chip of the option to put a cell chip in the modem or in the camera. Uh, Secondly, I want uh, computational photography style smarts. Kind of like what you're saying in the camera, kind of what the iPhone can do with this this bokeh that wasn't there, okay, and it's so kind of
1: processing tools, right?
0: Processing tools, cool. yeah. And then yeah. along with that, an app store, a real okay. app store that I can right. I can pull up my camera and it's like, you know what, Joe Edelman released a cool tool that will make doing astrophotography simple. Ah, okay. I want to download this Joe Edelman app, you know, and put yeah. it on my phone, my camera and yeah. go to town with it, right? I, nah, that's just,
1: for. I, Sign me up. That sounds awesome. <laughs> right. yeah.
2: Yeah. 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 I, yeah. I mean, that,
1: that, that totally sounds awesome. And, you know, I, I think actually even the, your, your phone request, mm-hmm. that might be closer than we think. I mean, well, actually, even the E-M1X. The E-M1X has, you know, full Wi-Fi, 2.4 gigahertz, 5 mm-hmm. gigahertz. Um, honestly, the only downside to that, in my opinion, is that 5 gigahertz is still not as fast as we ideally want. Like if we're going to shoot wireless tethered. But yeah. it's awesome to be able to shoot tethered, no wires, and it's not its not Bluetooth. It's like straight-up Wi-Fi, um, but obviously we're still limited by the fact that the fastest Wi-Fi that's commercially available is 5 gigahertz. Yeah. So, right. um, yeah, I mean, I it's could all totally coming. see it. I think
0: it's all coming. With, it just seems logical yeah. to me that you do that. I mean, imagine yeah. a scenario where you're a wedding shooter, right, and mm-hmm. you're you're able to shoot. Obviously, you're going to shoot RAW plus JPEG or whatever, but right. you're you're able to have the images that you're shooting – be uploaded somewhere else, you know, or, or, you know, even, even if you take it more extreme, you're on, you know, Mount Kilimanjaro and there happens to be a cell signal up there and now you're shooting and people can see what you're shooting instantly, real time.
1: Cool. So you should go trademark the, the, the phrase cloud camera. Right? There it is. You have the first camera that just uploads in the cloud. That's cool,
0: actually. You heard really it here cool. first. You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> so, Joe, what's what's next for you, man? I know you're you're jumping on a plane soon. You're going to Parts uh, Unknown. I am
1: jump on a plane tomorrow to take my first vacation in about three years. and um, uh, So I'm going to Las Vegas, where I understand they are being inundated with migrating grasshoppers right now.
0: Yes, I heard about we'll the finish. grasshoppers. <laughs>
1: so can't wait for that. But uh, next up for me, I'm um, down in Austin, Texas next week for an Olympus weekend at Precision Camera. And then um, an event down in Charlotte, and then Photo Plus is coming up. Of course, you know, yep. got to love Photo Plus, so yep. I'll be presenting for Olympus there. Looking forward to it. Cool.
0: Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's a, I, you, I, I feel nice. like we could talk for hours. I think we will. When Indeed. we sit down and have a beer or something, we're going to talk for hours about this stuff. Indeed, There's so much to talk about. There's, I mean, we scratched the surface of this small sensor, large sensor, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah stuff, right? Yep. So, you know, in the end, use whatever the heck you want to use. Just shoot. Yep. Get out there and put some that's mileage fun. on that finger, right?
1: That's fun. That's it, man. Yep.
0: yep. All so. right. Joe, where's your channel at and where's your website at?
1: Uh, easiest to find it through my website, it's JoeEdelman.com, J-O-E-E-D-E-L-M-A-N.com. And the YouTube channel is Photo Joe Edelman, P-H-O-T-O.
0: All right, perfect. Joe okay. Edelman, thank you, man. I'll, uh, I'll talk to you next time.
1: Frederick, thank you so much. Take care. Okay,
0: safe travels. This is Twitter.